Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 22. Shout out to all the listeners or homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. Today we're talking about UFC Fight Night DeGrasso versus Araujo. Last week we discussed some legendary returns for 2023, realistic legends for the UFC. This week we're going to discuss some unlikely legendary returns to the UFC, and that is where we will begin this episode. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Legendary returns for 2023 part two, unlikely returns. Feel free to Google these fighters to learn a little bit more about them, but the three names we're talking about today are going to be Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, Gegard Mousasi, and Ryan Bader. What makes these unlikely is because each of these fighters are currently fighting in another organization, but we'll go ahead and start off by talking about Demetrius Johnson. In a shocking move, Demetrius Johnson was actually traded from the UFC to one championship based out of Asia for Ben Askren a few years ago. Demetrius Johnson, aka Mighty Mouse, fought for the WEC prior to joining the UFC in 2011, and he fought in the UFC through his trade in October of 2018. Widely considered one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, Mighty Mouse was the inaugural UFC flyweight champion who then went on to successfully defend his title 11 times. Prior to getting the UFC Flyweight Championship, he fought for the 135 Bantamweight title as well, but lost that fight. He was traded after losing his UFC Flyweight Championship to Henry Cejudo, whom we talked about in last week's episode. Demetrius Johnson, as a pro, is 31-4-1, and he has continued to succeed outside of the UFC. Upon his arrival to one championship, he won the 135-pound Grand Prix Tournament, finishing off with the title. He lost his first title defense before winning it back in his last fight in August of 2022. Mighty Mouse is considered the founding father of the UFC flyweight division, and there would be no better way for him to end his career than a return to the UFC octagon. I think that he would have to come back in the UFC bantamweight division, since he is currently fighting at 135 for one championship today, and he would have a shot at recapturing that title that once eluded him in his first stint with the UFC. Remember, he won the UFC flyweight title, but not the bantamweight title. I would immediately match up Demetrius Johnson against a top three 135-pounder with a win earning him a shot at the title. One thing that could really be fascinating is the return of Henry Cejudo from his retirement as well. Remember, we talked about him last week. Listen to last week's episode if you want to hear more about Henry Cejudo. They're currently 1-1 one one against each other in title fights in the UFC, and Demetrius Johnson's last loss in the UFC was when he lost his belt to Henry Cejudo. I'd love to see the trilogy between those all-time great Hall of Fame fighters to really settle the beef, settle the trilogy between two future Hall of Famers, two all-time UFC greats. Now we're going to get into some even bigger long shot options in my opinion, but it would be cool to see these next two guys back in the UFC. Next up, like I mentioned, was going to be Gegard Mousasi. Mousasi is currently with Bellator and he lost his last fight in June of 2022, losing the Bellator middleweight title. He's a two-time Bellator middleweight champion and he holds a professional record of 49-8-2. He last fought in the UFC from 2013 to mid-2017 before moving over to Bellator. He fought for Strikeforce prior to joining the UFC as well, and he has been fighting for a long time and likely only has a few more years or fights left in his career. 
Now would be a great time to bring him back to the UFC for the middleweight division. We could use some fresh blood in the UFC, specifically in the middleweight weight class, and I think that you could match him up with a top 10 fighter right away. With two wins against top UFC fighters, I think he could then fight for the UFC middleweight championship. Yegard Musasi has been a champion in every professional MMA organization that he has fought for, except the UFC, including Bellator, Cage Warriors, and Dream, where he was a two-weight class champion, and even Strikeforce, he was a champion. Giving him a chance to chase a UFC championship at the end of his career would be fantastic to watch. The last name we're talking about this week is Ryan Bader. He doesn't have much left in his MMA career, most likely being 39 years old, so time is of the essence if we want him to come back to the UFC. Ryan Bader holds a 30-7 record with one no contest. Bader won the Ultimate Fighter Season 8 Light Heavyweight Tournament in 2008 and continued forward in the UFC through 2016. During that span, he amassed the second most wins in UFC Light Heavyweight history. Starting in 2017, he made the move over to Bellator where he found even more success. He immediately fought for and won the Bellator Light Heavyweight Championship, but he didn't stop there. He went on to defend that title and win the Bellator Heavyweight Championship in the Heavyweight World Grand Prix Tournament to become the first ever simultaneous two-weight champion in Bellator history. He has since lost the Light Heavyweight Championship, but he still holds the Heavyweight Championship with multiple title defenses for Bellator. The exciting thing about Ryan Bader is that he could fight at Heavyweight or Light Heavyweight back in the UFC. He never had a shot at either title in the UFC, and I think he could contest for both of those titles today. I'd put him in against a top 10 fighter in either division, and if he wins twice, I would line him up for a title shot next. And theoretically, in each division, I'd like to see him win at heavyweight and light heavyweight twice. So if Ryan Bader were to come back, if I were him, I'd probably start with one division, maybe start with heavyweight, try to get yourself two top 10 wins and fight for a title, then go to light heavyweight. Or if he wants to start cutting down and building back up towards the end of his career, start in the light heavyweight division and then move up to heavyweight. Lots of flexibility either way with an elite MMA fighter, but the UFC would obviously need to make moves very soon and potentially pay a lot of money to get him away from Bellator. Ryan Bader and John Jones actually fought at light heavyweight in the UFC before. Seeing them at heavyweight would be very interesting today as well. Remember, John Jones is another name we talked about on last week's episode of the podcast. Go give it a listen as we've mentioned a few folks from last week's Legendary Returns Part 1. Alright, that wraps up our Legendary Returns for 2023 Part 2, Unlikely Legends. Let's look forward to Saturday's UFC matchups. There's some excellent fights on this card from a matchmaking standpoint. We have a few striker versus wrestler matchups to see which style will win. But we also have some true MMA fighters going against each other as well. Let's dive into UFC Fight Night, Grasso versus Araujo. The prelims will start at 4 o'clock Eastern Time on Saturday with Mike Jackson versus Pete Rodriguez. Mike Jackson is 5 inches taller, he is a 3 inch reach advantage, and he's really just an interesting fighter because he is 1-1 one one as a pro. Both of those pro fights coming in the UFC. He lost to Mickey Gall in 2016, fought CM Punk in 2018 to a no contest, and beat Dean Barry by DQ 
in April of 2022. So he's had three pro fights spanning 2016 to 2022, not a very active fighter at all. On the flip side, Pete Rodriguez has never left the first round as a pro. He's 4-1 with each fight finishing by knockout in the first round. Unfortunately for him, that one knockout loss was in his UFC debut. Pete Rodriguez likes to engage in wars right away when he fights. He takes some risk. He really attacks at the start of the fight. But in this case, I think he's just going to swarm Mike Jackson. Or really, he'd probably be able to swarm any fighter that's fought three times in six years. That's just not enough octagon time. Pete Rodriguez is a large favorite, and appropriately so in my opinion because I think he could find himself with another finish in this one, possibly again in the very first round, or at least very early on in this fight with the intense pressure that I think he's going to bring to this war. Two of the three fights Mike Jackson has faced in his strange pro career also ended in the first round, so this fight ending early seems pretty obvious. Again, kind of strange. I'm not sure what the UFC is doing with Mike Jackson. It seems like he's just kind of being fed to Pete Rodriguez in this one. Tatsuro Taira versus CJ Vergara. Taira is one inch taller and two inches in reach advantage. He won his UFC debut in his last fight, and it was a well-rounded MMA showing from him in that night. He got a knockdown, he went for five takedowns, three submission attempts, and had over six minutes of control time. CJ Vergara won his last fight after losing his UFC debut. He predominantly is a stand-up fighter, and he is extremely high-volume striking, he likes to press opponents up against the cage for control, and he'll do a little bit of tight clinch fighting as well. Tatsuro Taira is going to use all of his weapons in this one to get the win. I think he can hold his own on the feet, but he will win this fight with his ground game. Look for him to go for over six takedowns in this fight and work his submission game. CJ Vergara can win this fight if he can keep it standing, and he'll know that Taira will be going for the takedowns. So the winner of this fight is just going to be whomever can prevail in those instances in this fight. When Tyra goes for the takedown, if he gets it, if he does that repeatedly, I think he will get the win. If CJ Vergara is able to stuff those takedowns repeatedly, keep the fight on the feet, then I believe that he will have a good shot at winning as well. This is a good matchup, but I do think that the undefeated Tatsuro Tyra gets it done. Piero Rodriguez versus Sam Hughes. Sam is two inches taller. Undefeated newcomer Piera won her Dana White's Contender Series appearance and UFC debut after winning the LFA Championship. That's a lot of steam behind you, a lot of good things carrying into this fight. Sam Hughes lost her first three UFC fights before winning her last two, so she's got a little bit of momentum built now as well after being kind of broken down in her first few UFC fights. These are two true MMA fighters who mix in wrestling with their striking. Rodriguez, in particular, likes to use wrestling to get ground-and-pound finishes. Sam Hughes has the edge in jiu-jitsu, however, but I think Pierre Rodriguez may have the strength advantage on fight night, and she'll be able to muscle Sam Hughes around with her wrestling and positioning to get to top position. This fight will have tons of wrestling, and these women usually finish fights late in the third round, if at all. I think we look at this fight to go the distance. Both women are going to go for at least five takedowns each, in my opinion. So this fight will take place on the ground for most of the 15 minutes. As we all know, grappling can run out the clock a little bit. It's a little bit more of a patient game. So I give the edge to Pierre Rodriguez straight up. But the fight to go the distance is the best bet in this fight. Three of Sam's last four fights have gone to a decision. And the same breakdown goes for Rodriguez. Next up, we'll have Joe Anderson Brito versus Lucas Alexander. 
Brito won a unanimous decision on Dana White's contender series before losing his UFC debut and knocking out Andre Feely in his last fight. Brito has a very balanced finishing attack with 6-1 by knockout and 5-1 and by submission. Lucas Alexander is making his UFC debut on a 5-fight win streak. He also took this fight fairly last minute. He just took this fight about 2 weeks ago. His last 5 opponents are a combined 25-19-1. It's not a fantastic record. His last 3 fights, though, he did win by finish. I think this fight likely does not see the judges' scorecards either, as 11 of Brito's 13 wins have been by finish. With Lucas Alexander taking this fight on short notice, I just don't think he'll be able to be at his best for this UFC debut. I think he's a good fighter, but I think Joe Anderson Brito has experience on his side, and I think that he can get it done, possibly by submission, with his average of 2.9 takedowns per fight. Next up is an extremely wrestling-heavy attack, extremely wrestling-heavy fight between Nick Maximov versus Jacob Malkoon. Maximov is 3 inches taller, he has 3 inches in reach, these guys use wrestling to win fights. It is as plain and simple as that. If you don't love the ground game, you don't love the wrestling game, this is the fight to go use the bathroom. For those of us who are true MMA fans, this is a fight that you do not want to blink. You want to keep your eyes locked in on this one because these guys are just going to be in a wrestling war. Maximov averages 5.51 takedowns per fight. Malkoon averages 6.95. Maximov lost his last fight by submission, but won his previous two and his Dana White's Contender Series appearance. Malkoon lost his last fight, which ended a two-fight UFC win streak. It's, this is a pretty easy one to bet, in my opinion. Just take over one and a half rounds or fight to go the distance. When you have such high-skilled wrestlers that rely so heavily on wrestling, I think they're going to try to wrestle each other a ton, but I think they might actually stalemate in those exchanges, stalemate on the ground for much of this fight, and I think it's just going to burn the clock. Both guys are going to try to make a point that they're the better wrestler, but I think they are so extremely talented, they're going to negate, it's going to force them to throw hands at least a little bit, and this might be a boring stylistic output fight, because there's going to be a lot of excellent defense in, in the takedowns, but, again, I do think this is a fight to watch because these are two fighters that could go very far in this division. These fighters wrestle so much, I'm talking like 12 to 15 takedowns attempted per fight in their last few fights each. It's going to be an absolute wrestling match. I think Nick Maximov may win as the slightly larger fighter, and Malkoon's last loss was actually to a wrestling-heavy fighter as well. So while Malkoon loves to wrestle offensively, I think he might have the slight disadvantage in defensive wrestling. Up next on the prelims is Rafael Asuncao versus Victor Henry. Henry's two inches taller and has the same advantage in reach. He won his UFC debut in his last fight, and he has never been finished as a pro. Victor Henry is a very high-volume striker who will mix in wrestling from time to time as well, but he averages a staggering 12 significant strikes landed per minute in that one UFC appearance. Rafael Asensio is a veteran of the UFC, having fought with the organization back through 2011. He's 40 years old. You guys know from prior episodes, once guys hit the 4-0 as fighters, I don't love to put money on them. There's just a lot of wear and tear. And for Rafael Asensio, he's been in 36 professional fights, and a lot of those fights were just real battles in the cage. 
He's on a four-fight losing streak as well, with the last two ending by knockout. Sun Sal is still a good fighter. He's had a good career. I just don't think his body can quite keep up anymore. Victor Henry is going to be too much for Sun Sal at this point in his career. Henry can put the pace on a Sun Sal with striking out, put in pressure, mixing in wrestling just to wear down the energy of an older fighter of Rafael Sun Sal. I think Henry can win on the feet, on the ground, or by decision in this one. I think Rafael Sun Sal could find the finish in this fight as well. He's got the puncher's chance, absolutely. But I think Victor Henry wins this fight 9 out of 10 times. Our last prelim fight is Mana Martinez versus Brandon Davis. These guys are similar in size, and Martinez lost a Dana White's Contender Series appearance by submission back in 2020, went on to win the Fury FC Championship, and was given another shot in the UFC. He won by a split decision before losing by unanimous decision in his last fight. So he's been back for two UFC fights. Won a split decision, then lost his last fight. So it's not been a great run in the UFC still. Brandon Davis had a stint in the UFC from 2017 to 2019, where he went 3-4 and four and was 1-4 and four in his last five. He then went on to win four fights in a row in another organization before returning to the UFC in October of 2021, where he also struggled with the return to the UFC, losing by first-round knockout. I'm going to be honest, guys, this is one of those fights I just don't like. I think both guys struggle a little bit in competition. That's why it's good for a matchmaking standpoint. I think they're very even, but that makes it hard to bet. Brandon Davis is more of a well-rounded MMA fighter with wins by both knockout and submission, but most of his UFC losses in his career have been against predominantly strikers. Mana Martinez is predominantly a striker with eight of his nine wins by knockout. That doesn't mean Martinez isn't susceptible to punishment, though. In his last fight that ended in a loss, he had two knockdowns and his opponent had three knockdowns. It was a brutal war with both fighters landing big shots. I'm leaning Mana Martinez here since he has the power to probably put away Brandon Davis, but Davis could control this fight with his wrestling as well. That wraps up our UFC prelims. Let's take a look at the main card. The UFC main card starts at 7 o'clock Eastern Time and kicks off with Misha Serkinov versus Alonzo Menafield. This is an excellent fight to start the main card. Serkinov is 3 inches taller. He is an inch in reach advantage. He's on a 3-fight losing streak, and 11 of his 12 fights have ended by finish. Serkinov is a wrestling machine with 4.25 takedowns per fight and 1.75 submissions attempted. He wants this fight on the ground, plain and simple, where he is 9-3 by submission and 4-4 four and four by knockout. Alonzo Menafield won his last fight and three of his last four. I know Serkinov being on a three-fight losing streak doesn't make this seem like it's a very exciting fight, but these guys have a lot of finishing capabilities, and I think it could be really interesting because I think a finish is highly possible in this matchup. So that's why it's exciting, not necessarily because I think it's going to be a great three-round war, but because I think someone will be finished to start off the main card. Like I said, Menafield, he'd won his last fight in three of his last four. Five of his eight UFC fights ended by finish as well, and he gets it done on the feet typically with serious striking power. So that's what's so exciting here, is Menafield has tremendous striking power on the feet. Serkinov 
wrestling machine has tremendous submission ability on the ground. For Menefield, he's 9-1 by knockout as a pro, 2-0 by submission, and styles make fights. Menefield wants to keep this fight standing so he can end it on the feet. Serkinov wants to get this fight to the ground so he can end it on the ground. Either way, like I said, I think this fight does not go the distance, and I think it likely ends in under one and a half rounds. In his only three-round fight in the UFC, Serkinov went for 17 takedowns and completed five of them. Menefield will have to end it early or be ready to defend constant takedown attempts across 15 minutes. Here's the catch. Alonzo Menefield does not really mind wrestling either. It may not be his bread and butter, but he has been wrestling more in recent fights, and he's very tough to get off of you when he gets on top. He is a very big light heavyweight, and probably weighs around 235 on fight night if I had to guess. That amount of weight can be good or bad because carrying all that muscle while defending takedowns can be very taxing. It's just an interesting fight. Alonzo Menefield once faced a wrestling heavy attacker with Devin Clark and kept him to 1 for 10 on takedowns. So his takedown defense might be good enough to keep this fight on the feet where he'll be looking for the knockout punch. I think Alonzo Menefield can win this fight, but you should check out the fight to not go the distance. Or like I said, I think this fight could end in under one and a half rounds as well. These guys are going to attack each other. They're big fighters. Menefield can end it with one punch at any time. Serkinov can put you in a submission at any point on the ground. That's why this is an exciting start to the main card. Next up, we have Jordan Wright versus Dusko Todorovic. Jordan has a 3-inch reach advantage, and while these fighters have struggled lately, the matchmakers did a really good job with this fight as well because they are both skilled on the feet and on the ground. Wright is on a two-fight losing streak, and each of his last six fights have ended by finish. Todorovic lost his last fight, and he is 1-3 in his last four, with four of his last fights ending by finish. So just like that, we're looking at another fight that's probably not going the distance with 27 of their total 29 fights ending by finish. Obviously, we're going to be looking for this fight to end by finish here, not go to the judges. Otherwise, though, this fight is a coin flip to me. They have both faced very strong UFC competition in their careers. They both need to build momentum in this organization. The loser may find themselves on the outside looking in, which also pushes them to maybe be a little bit more risky, a little bit more aggressive, potentially leading to another finish. I think Todorovic has the slight edge because I think he may be the better wrestler, but Wright is the better submission fighter. On the feet, I think Todorovic has more power, so he would be my moneyline pick. But play this one smart, guys. Both guys have been finished a lot lately. Both guys have found finishes a lot in their careers. Both men have been knocked out twice since joining the UFC. Take this fight to not go the distance. Next is a potentially fight of the night with another great matchmaking fight. We have number 5 ranked flyweight Brandon Royval and number 4 ranked Askar Askarov. Royval is 3 inches taller and he is very talented with jujitsu. Askarov is very talented with his wrestling. That makes this interesting because I think that they're fairly even on the feet and if Askarov goes to his strength which is wrestling, he'll also be putting himself in a position for Royval to then use his strength which is jujitsu on the ground and start working for submissions. Askar Askarov averages 2.6 takedowns per fight, and Royval averages 2.44 submission attempts per fight. It's tough to go against Askar Askarov, and we won't do that here. He was previously undefeated before losing to Kaikara France in his last fight, 
That ended up being a pretty close fight, and he had multiple takedowns, two submission attempts, and over five minutes of control time. Don't blink when this fight hits the ground. Askarov is very good with submissions as well, but Brandon Royval will have the slight edge in that department. I think Askarov will survive on the ground with Royval. I think he will use his wrestling to make sure he gets wins, maybe wrestle towards the end of rounds. That way, Royval doesn't have as much time to work for his submissions and he can score the takedown points. This should be a very fast-paced and intense fight if you know what you're looking at as soon as this fight inevitably hits the ground. I know a lot of people love to see guys stand and bang, but this is a fight where as soon as that fight hits the ground, madness could ensue. Hopefully the announcers will help explain the intricacies of the ground game because it should be very thrilling for those of you who might not know exactly what you're looking at, but keep an eye on this one as, I, like I said, I think this could be the fight of the night. Then we have our co-main event, Cub Swanson versus Jonathan Martinez. These fighters are about the same size, and I was really surprised to see that Cub Swanson was taking on another fight. He last fought in December 2021 to the tune of a first-round knockout win, but he's been in so many wars and it's been so long that I just thought he was done. He's still good. He's won three of his last four fights, clearly still very skilled. He's just getting a little bit older, hadn't fought in a long time. I personally just didn't know Cub Swanson was still putting on the gloves. These fighters also get it done in very different ways, which makes this an interesting fight. Five of Cub Swanson's last eight fights have ended by finish, including his last three, while seven of Martinez's ten total UFC fights have gone to a decision. I like the striking of Cub Swanson in this one. I don't think that Jonathan Martinez has the power on the feet to knock out Cub Swanson, and I think Swanson will do very well on the feet with his speed and power. Especially keep an eye on his kicks. Cub Swanson throws great kicks. Jonathan Martinez can win this fight on the ground if it gets there, but I think Cub Swanson will get this win and maybe right off into the sunset with retirement after this one. I do think this fight goes long, so over one and a half rounds will be very intriguing. Jonathan Martinez has only been finished once, but Cub Swanson has been finished nine times, seven on the ground. He'll have to keep this fight on the feet if he wants the chance to win. That covers our UFC main card, except for our UFC main event. Let's go ahead and take a look. For our UFC main event, we have Alexa Grasso versus Vivienne Araujo. No significant size differences between these two women, and we have number 5 ranked flyweight Grasso on a 3-fight win streak, 4 of her last 5 fights going to a decision, versus number 6 ranked Vivian, who's 3-1 in her last 4 with a 1-fight win streak. Vivian's last 6 fights have gone to a decision as well, so obviously we'll be looking at round overs or fight to go the distance in this one even though it's five rounds. Grasso's last loss was against current strawweight champion and wrestling standout Carla Esparza. That was also Grasso's last time fighting at strawweight as she has since moved up to flyweight and has yet to lose in this new weight class. The wrestling loss is bad news when you're facing Vivian because she averages 2.23 takedowns per fight. On the flip side, Vivian Araujo's last loss was against a standout striker. Now, I'm not really sure if Alexa Grasso falls into that category, though, so here's the deal. I think Vivian Araujo wins this fight. Grasso likes to use pressure and cage control mixed in with her striking. I think Araujo can hold her own on the feet in this fight, and then I think she'll be able to get takedowns when they get in tight with each other against the cage. As Grasso starts to apply pressure, if Araujo can time her takedowns appropriately, 
I think she'll be able to get this fight to the ground. So I do think that Viviana Araujo must get takedowns to win, but I think she will do it. Grasso's striking output can be a ton. It can be tremendous, high volume. So Vivian will have to wrestle to slow down Alexa Grasso and wear on her for over five rounds. If Vivian can't get takedowns, I think she will get outpointed by Alexa Grasso. Vivian needs this win pretty badly, I think. Her last few losses were against the high-ranked or elite competition in the division at the time, so she has yet to get over that hump, get over that hurdle. Regardless, I think the best bet in this fight will be the rounds over or fights go the distance because these fighters are just not the most profound finishers. That wraps up our UFC Fight Night de Grasso versus Araujo. Let's take a look at what bets we're going to be making on Saturday. gambling problem call your state's hotline i know we seem to do this about once a month but we're going to make another change to the betting segment i was previously betting every fight every weekend and that's put me in spots where i've had to make bets that i don't love i will continue to preview every fight like i've just done for this past 30 minutes but i need to shorten the betting card to really turn things around for us as a podcast and turn it around for the homies I will still tell you what I would bet each weekend as if I had to pick for each fight. Bets are now going to become the Homestyle Gravy Bets. From now on, the Homestyle Gravy Bets are the bets that I am putting my money on. I will bet every main card fight every weekend as a commitment to you, but I'll be a little bit more selective on the prelims or early prelims. We're going to keep the going back for more Bets in this segment, those are the two unit plays because I like them so much. Bet or going back for more bet because those are going to be the true bets that I'm taking. Otherwise, I'm just telling you what I would do uh, or what you should do if you're thinking along the same lines, but I'm not going to be taking it myself. Bets are 25 and 13 since starting that segment. My going back for more bets are nine and four. So it's putting us in tough spots as we're making some bets on fights where, you know, originally I wanted to just try to bet every fight, but there's too many fights I run into that I just don't love. So we're going to cut those out. If I don't love the fight, we're not going to take it. That's how you turn things around and bet responsibly, which is what we should all be doing anyways. All of that to say, we've only cut out a few fights for this fight night. You guys know I love gambling on these fights. It makes it exciting. It makes it thrilling. All we're doing is cutting out the three or four or five fights that I don't love each weekend. So I still got a lot of plays for you guys. Starting off with the UFC prelims, Mike Jackson versus Pete Rodriguez. We're taking fight to not go the distance. I want to see what that looks like. Maybe under one and a half rounds or Pete Rodriguez straight up. That's a pretty long line. So I'm going to try to take fight to not go the distance. It's just not available yet for a homestyle gravy bet. Tatsuro Taira versus CJ Vergara. I would take Tatsuro Taira, but that is not one that we are going to be betting on. Pierre Rodriguez versus Sam Hughes. Fight to go the distance seems to make the most sense here if you'd like to take that. We're not taking that as a podcast. Joe Anderson Brito versus Lucas Alexander. I like Joe Anderson Brito either by finish or fight to not go the distance as the homestyle gravy bet. We'll be making one of those. A lot of these alternate lines, guys, are not out yet. So please, please, please check out our social pages on Saturday morning. 
to see what we're able to grab from the sports books once these alternate lines became available. So we'll take Jordan and Brito by finish or fight to not go the distance as the homestyle gravy bet. I want to see what those lines are and then I'll pick from there. Nick Maximov versus Jacob Malkoon. Over one and a half rounds will be the homestyle gravy bet once available. Rafael Asuncao versus Victor Henry. I like Victor Henry in over one and a half rounds or just taking the over one and a half rounds depending on what that number looks like as a homestyle gravy bet. And then Mana Martinez versus Brandon Davis. If you like it, Mana Martinez, but we're not going to take that as a podcast. That takes us into our UFC main card, Misha Serkinov versus Alonzo Menefield. Homestyle gravy bet is fight to not go the distance. I think that is highly likely here with the submission ability of Serkinov and the knockout power of Menefield. Jordan Wright versus Dusko Todorovic. Homestyle gravy bet. Going back for more two unit bet is going to be fight to not go the distance. I believe I gave you the stat once already earlier, but these guys never go to the judges' scorecard. 27 of their total 29 fights end by finish. I see no reason for that to change in this fight. Askar Askarov versus Brandon Roy Val. We're taking Askar Askarov Moneyline, which I already have available. That was minus 250 as a homestyle gravy bet. Cub Swanson versus Jonathan Martinez is a homestyle gravy bet. We're over one and a half rounds at minus 275. And Alexa Grasso versus Vivian Araujo. We're taking over three and a half rounds as a homestyle gravy bet. Going back for more two unit bet, also at minus 275. For our homestyle perfect plate parlay, we're taking Pete Rodriguez, Nick Maximov, and Askar Askarov all to win for plus 174. That wraps up our gambling for this upcoming Saturday. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. So that's going to wrap up today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the completion of the new segment, Legendary Returns for 2023. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard prior to the events on social media for the podcast for you to see who I'm picking in each fight and the method of victory. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out the Homestyle MMA Podcast.podbean.com, P O D B E A N, for additional information about the podcast. We're doing a good job on social media, getting a lot of engagement, getting a lot of growth. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we'll do a rapid recap of this card and preview the highly anticipated UFC 280 Oliveira versus Makachev pay-per-view. That is going to be a fantastic fight. After getting a few weekends off here for the UFC lately, we're going to be back to doing a fight every weekend pretty much for most of the rest of the year. So we're going to go back to some of the longer episodes here shortly. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Have a good one.